Well, hello and welcome to another episode of The Rank List. I am your host, Alex, and as always, we're just going to get right on into it with our special guest this week, Rory. Do you want to let uh, the people at home know what theme you have picked for this week's episode? I would uh, be thrilled to introduce my theme for this week's episode. I'm treating everyone to a ranking of Nicolas Cage films. It's it's perfect. I mean, when you think of famous Hollywood actors, I mean Nicolas Cage is up there with the with the top dogs. He is. He is. He's he's um more well known recently for being in a string of terrible films. Uh he, he and um I came to Nick Cage for this for those kind of reasons. I am um, I used to watch a lot of, I still do, but I started watching a lot of bad movies, uh, so bad they're good movies. And Nicolas Cage became a uh, center point for me and my friend uh, uh, to fixate on. Uh, we started with a lot of the more famous ones and then we delved deeper into the very sort of um, forgotten, all the uh, forgotten Nick uh, Cage hits. Uh, but I do think that he is a very unique and uh, talented actor. And so I was very glad to uh, sing his praises as we were uh, on this podcast. Really? Now, I, Nick, before we get into the list, I have to have to admit something. Please. So I like when you mentioned that you wanted to do Nicolas Cage, I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm really excited for this. I think it's going to be great to talk about Nicolas Cage and some of the films mm-hmm. that he's been in. Um, and then I went to do my research um, to, to, to kind of put my list together. And I went to his IMDb. And I think he's currently got 107 acting credits. <laughs> um, which is a lot for, for, for a Hollywood actor, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's definitely up there with, you know, it's, it's definitely above average. Yeah. And I was looking through them and I was going, no, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. No, I haven't yeah. seen that one. No, I haven't seen that one. And I am I kind of slightly mortified at the amount of Nicolas Cage films that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. However, yeah. I feel like I've curated a nice list. Good. But it's I'm it's, very excited. It's definitely not what people would think of picking. I know there's like a few standards in there, but I think there's a few that I've picked that maybe Rogue some people choices pick. as it were. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. good. That's good. But, but, well, um, you want that. He's a he's a rogue actor. You know, he's he's not your conventional kind of guy. So uh, I think that's a good way to sort of approach this topic. It definitely is. And I feel like now that part of this podcast, this episode particularly, is going to be you convincing me to watch some of the films that are on Absolutely. your list that I have not Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. So I'm very, very excited for it. So we are going to kick off with number five. So, Rory, what? is at number five for you my number five uh is uh an interesting one it's a film from uh one of my probably my favorite filmmaker ever and uh very glad that they had this collaboration it's david lynch's wild at heart uh which is a uh it's a genre called southern gothic which is this sort of like elevated uh deeply sad but like kind of violent uh genre of the gothic but we're doing it in the american south and it's a story about a uh two lovers sailor and lula played respectively by nick cage and the wonderful laura dern uh who are on kind of a road trip of excess and violence as they're running away from a bunch of people who are trying to kill them sent by lula's uh mother who is i believe laura down's real life mother diane ladd so that is you know you can unpack that in therapy that your mom's trying to kill you in a movie um (laughs) But uh, yeah, so it, it's um, it's now it's interesting because I I think started my David Lynch love uh, I think with a Razorhead, which is really weird. But then I jumped into Twin Peaks and obviously fell completely in love with that. And I was like, right, I need to watch all the other films that he's done, and um, I love them all. But for a while, I wasn't too keen on Wild at Heart. I need to give it a proper rewatch because I think um. 
it's really grim. It's a really violent, grim, sort of abstract uh, movie. It's very uncomfortable to watch. Like the opening scene is like Nick Cage uh, beating a man to death really violently and and there's lots of screaming and there's lots of nick cage crooning like really uh retro songs which is obviously a staple of david lynch um but uh where i do the reason why i included it is because it was a it's a fantastic collaboration and one i'm surprised they haven't repeated nick cage is sort of characterized by his uh weirdness by how much he will just commit to the strange even if it is uh even if it means that a believable realistic performance is something sacrificed. And I think that's perfect for David Lynch, who is uh, predicated on this idea of the, of uh, realism and surrealism uh, and the idea of dealing with the surreal in real ways and dealing with the real in surreal ways. And like, that's really characterized by Nick Cage's performance in this film. He's, um, he's, he's got this crazy accent and he's jumping up and screaming all the time. He's he's constantly your eyes are always on him, and uh, it's a it's a weird descent into nightmarish territory. I, I think actually, I think like listening to it, it seems that David Lynch and Nicolas Cage is like the perfect director actor yeah. per- pairing, really. In a way, it is, and it's um he talks about he's talked about it before. He has a great David Lynch impression. Um uh when he, he I saw a video of him talking about uh his direction on the film and uh, like a screening of something. And yeah, yeah, they they loved I think I think the only positive things sort of came from, from working together. Uh so it's it's definitely worth checking out if you want to see what is considered like a good weird Nick Cage performance uh, where the excess is really allowed a space to breathe. Yeah. And I think it, it just literally sounds like the pinnacle of David Lynchness as well. Yeah. Oh is... yeah. 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 It's the, it's the most David Lynch, you know, he's done until the next one, basically which yeah. is the case with all of them. You're like, Oh, this is the most David Lynch movies. Oh wait, no, this is the most David Lynch movie. Um, it's wonderful. I love it. I love it. Okie dokie. So in at number five for me is probably the mm-hmm. complete opposite to Wild at Heart. It has nothing in common apart from the fact that Nicolas Cage is in it. Um, uh, my number five is The Croods. <laughs> yeah, a very Lynchian film as well. Very Lynchian. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean... I I love animation. I think it's such a wonderful um, form of of art. Uh, you know, anything from Disney to DreamWorks to stop motion, whether it be Leica mm-hmm. or Tree or um, Aardman, what whatever. I just completely adore it. And I, I don't know whether I'm biased, but like I seem to love any animated movie that comes out, whether it is a mm-hmm. good film or not. But actually, I think that Crudes mm-hmm. is. Uh, an example of a very good animated movie. Um, I, I, I think the main thing about the Crudes is that it's, I suppose in a way, it's a story that's been covered in various different films in various different ways so many times before, but it does it so incredibly well. And the main thing is, is that even though Emma Stone, uh, her character is the main character, the story is very much centered around Nicolas Cage's character. The father of this sort of caveman uh, uh, family unit, as it were. Yeah, he's very much the, you know, he's the traditional, like, let's stay uh, here. Let's make sure that we're all safe. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. I am the family man. I will make sure that I am completely here for you all, all the time. And that is that. Whereas obviously Mm -hmm. Emma Stone's character, in the film wants to break out of the mold and go on an adventure and, and do that. And it's all about uh, Nicholas Cage's character coming to accept that and accept the fact that they need to move on and do all these different things. Um, and I think Nicholas Cage does a great job of that, of sort of portraying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's had an interesting voice actor career. I mean, we won't get into too much because we don't know where it's turned up, but he's a very distinctive sort of like voice and it can sound like this sort of like cool drawl. I've heard it in times, but it's definitely got this like, like good presence in a film that, that makes you kind of, it's, it's, it's a very distinct striking voice. Exactly. And as, um, as we'll 
probably talk about later on in the podcast. He's very good at playing the dad. Absolutely. Yeah. He's good at a dad. Um, especially as it kind of goes later on or sort of like he's or he's in a family unit in a number of my the film uh, the films on my picks uh he's good at like in fact the top three it's all the different type of um family roles he can do and he does it quite well um but yes he's uh done a lot of dad parts it's true Before we move on with the rest of the list, we, of course, have to come to the worst pick. A Nicolas Cage film that is so truly mm. awful that it could n- nowhere near hit any of the ones that are in the main list. So, Rory, what is your yes. worst Nicolas Cage pick? Oh, my God. It's just, there's just so many. Um, it's really... <laughs> uh, this was difficult because, my God, there are some absolute garbage fires i would say though the reason i kind of picked it is is different from necessarily how like how bad he is because really when i'm watching a bad nick cage film i think he's amazing because uh because he's so over the top screaming everything so there's your classic ones like vampire's kiss and then you go down the road and there are these really uh weird ones like deadfall which nobody should watch but is the best nick cage performance ever but the real worst ones i suppose are the ones that are just too boring like he isn't too crazy i think there's one called like rage or trespass and they all have those type of really bland names but as i've sort of grown older uh and uh, uh realized became more film illiterate uh i realized that the greatest sin uh uh, that Nick Cage was committed was the remake of The Wicker Man. Um, he is absolutely hilarious in this film. It's 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 astonishingly, it's astonishing that like that the movie looks so like like a real movie and yet it's so bad i always wonder this like how do people not realize they're making a bad movie when they put all that effort into it and like there's so much craft and like energy that and lots of people collaborating but it is really terrible and it is a great sin that this was the first version of the wicker man i saw because that original wicker man is like one of the best horrors ever i mean it, it's influenced decades of folk horror every cult movie is is in some way uh, uh has a, is, is influenced by the wicker man so the fact that he was in this terrible remake and was just so awful in it uh, i mean it cements it as my worst pick yeah i have never seen the wicker man but i have always heard of how it is just completely terrible yeah it's a very quotable movie there's lots of great quotes in there from Nicolas Cage my favorite one is when his legs are being broken by a cult he screams killing me won't bring back your goddamn honey I think about that quote daily (laughs) moving on to my worst pick and like like you said there are many bad Nicolas Cage films um but I am going to come in with his foray into the uh, Marvel universe. And that is Ghost Rider. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. I mm-hmm. completely forgot about Ghost Rider. So, please. I, I, um... think, I think you're right. I, I, I think, as um, like how you said, with however, you know, when Nicolas Cage is in a film, he is always the best thing about that film, even if it's bad. Yeah. And I think the same yeah. can be said for Ghost Rider. You know, he's, you know, he has that charm. He has, it seems like he has the characterization of um, of Johnny Blaze down quite well. Mm-hmm. But it's just everything else around it just does not work at all. And yeah. I know that uh, now there's been multiple different iterations of, of Ghost Rider um, mm-hmm. that has been portrayed on screen, whether that be in... I think he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that. But I know mm-hmm. that there's people who say that they want Nicolas Cage to come back as Ghost Rider in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm just like, no, don't, no, don't do no. that. No, please leave it alone. No, no. <laughs> Ask somebody new he's if you had, do it. He's had, 
He's had a bad Marvel movie, one of the worst, but he's also had a good Marvel movie that's one of the best, you know? So it's it, the scales are imbalanced. We don't need to put him in anything more because no matter if we do exactly. it more, the scales will be uh, imbalanced and, and it won't be good. So yeah, just leave it. Just let him do his weird uh, kind of surreal horror stuff now and then just, just don't put him in anything big because you could risk everything falling apart. Yeah, exactly. And I, And I don't know how this happened, but how the execs of the studio watched the first Ghost Rider and went, yeah, we're going to make the sequel. Yeah, yeah. This is worthy of another foray into the exact same world. Well, the thing is, is I have not seen, and oh boy, the first Ghost Rider is terrible. I haven't seen the second Ghost Rider, but isn't it directed by the guys who did Crank and like those movies? Um, like the, like really really crazy wild action movies and like that seems like a good fit but yeah i've not heard any good things about it and um, no, so it, i don't think i'll be watching it i mean it's worse than the first one <laughs> oh that's somehow but, but somehow it managed to get worse i do remember that they were putting out with those movies uh a different logo and a different sort of subsidiary marvel company called like marvel knights because they were like we can't associate this with any of the avengers stuff that's coming out like we we can't it's just too shameful yeah the the fact that they even had to do that just proves exactly why they shouldn't have done in the first place We're going to jump right back into the main list now. And we're going to go with our number four pick. So, Rory, what is it number four for you? Number four uh, is uh, another example of a movie. of uh, We're second in the 90s. We're going for like action schlock territory now. And I'm going with John Woo's Face Off. Uh, I think uh, Nicolas Cage is a criminal. And uh, uh, John Travolta is an FBI agent and they like swap faces <laughs> and then one of them plays the other one and it, uh, and uh, Nick Cage plays the guy who's FBI agent, whereas uh, John Travolta is uh, whatever. Like it's, yeah. it's a so, really, really stupid movie. So what I want to uh, say before you carry on is... Mm. Um, Face Off is also my number four pick. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So that's great. We can just discuss Face Off. Exactly. It was Freaky Friday before Freaky Friday. I mean, before the the Lindsay Lohan Friday. Yeah. Yeah. There was, of course, another Freaky Friday. Yeah. This movie is, I didn't see it till like, it's one of my recent forays into Nick Cage. And uh, oh boy, it's so much fun. And like, I sort of am heard something where like Tandy Newton was talking about Mission Impossible 2, the worst Mission Impossible movie, which is also directed by John Woo. And she was like, oh yeah, he like didn't direct the movie in English. He like, uh, and I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense from every English language John Woo film I've seen is the, 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 the dialogue. It doesn't feel like there's like a great connection with the act with the actors and how they're performing and sort of like how they're being directed um and face off is like you get a lot of great nick cage but then you have john travolta doing his best nick cage impression and then nick cage has to meet that energy and so the real battle is who can out camp the other person as they just do more crazy performances and then nick cage as john travolta starts getting crazy himself so the character itself is trying to lean into the craziness of that nick cage's character has so much fun exactly yeah i mean i think it is one of those films where it's just you gotta let the actors just have like the mm-hmm. most fun and they just yeah. they clearly are and you can tell they are and i think that's what makes the movie so enjoyable yeah. um and you know like say john travolta doing a nicholas cage impression and yeah the, the other way around is just it's very mm-hmm. very very good to watch absolutely we are now going to move on to number three now and number three for me mm-hmm. is another one of Nicolas Cage's 90s action movies. Oh, yes. It is Con Air. Interesting. Interesting. Con Air. Lots of criminals on a plane. They take over the plane. 
Indeed they do. Uh, and and you know what? It's funny because how we were talking about Nicolas Cage playing the family man. Yeah. Well, this is another example of him playing That's the right. family man. You know, he's um he's sent to prison for this this crime, this accidentally killing this man, just as his daughter is has been born. Um, so he's having right. to leave his wife, and then eight years passes, and then he's being released. But then obviously he has to go on this plane with all of these other wildly horrible criminals. And uh, obviously this big power struggle happens and the, the the big criminals try to escape. And he's kind of just got to try and traverse that whilst also, you know, being and wanting to get back to his wife and his daughter who he's not been able to see for the first eight years of her life. And yeah. I, I, you know, in that sense, it is quite touching because, you know, his justification for doing what he does is obviously completely grounded in the fact that he just wants to be back with his family. And I think that's really nice. But then yeah, also yeah, that's his motivation. Yeah. Um, you know, on the, on the face of it, it's just a big, you know, romp action movie where he's just beating up people and just having a, you know, great time. And I really, really enjoy it. That's good. I am actually not too big a fan of Con Air. I watched it back to back with Face Off and I found it a bit too, like Nick Cage is great and everything, long hair, there's weirdness, yep. John Malkovich, Steve Buscemi having a great time. But yeah, I found it I found it too 90s action. I found it too sort of like if, if Face Off seems to be accidentally parodying but 90s action by going so high, ironically, I wasn't, I wasn't satisfied by how high Con Air went. You know, um, I, I would have liked it to be to lean in a bit more to its kind of trashiness rather than just sort of like be settling for being kind of like just trashy. Um, but everyone's in a big plane and they punch each other. So it's pretty great. Exactly. Yeah, I think as well. And this might have been one of those films that I watched when I was maybe a bit too young to actually yeah. watch it. Um, so maybe from that perspective as well, I kind of, it's a bit sweeter in my eyes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I can definitely understand that it it maybe doesn't go as far or lean as far into yeah. the, the stereotypes and the, um, the, the kind of the genre or the, the idea mm-hmm. that it was trying to, to come across with, with those yeah. types of films back in the day. But yeah, I mean, I, I had to. I had to put it in there. Please, of course. Of course you did. Uh, right. What is it, number three for you? My number three is a film very de- close to my heart. Um, I uh, love this movie, and it is responsible for the Nicolas Cage renaissance uh, we're currently seeing. It is 2018's Mandy, directed by Panos Cosmatos. Uh, it is a movie where uh, Nick Cage has a lovely marriage with Andrea Riseborough. Uh, you have a kind of like very secluded forest, very chill living on their own. Uh, and then a nightmarish hippie cult comes in and murders brutally his wife. And he sets off into a what's described as a spiraling surreal rampage of vengeance. I think he has a chainsaw at some point. Uh, it's now the the plot description is kind of um doesn't encapsulate like how the movie looks, which is like ninety percent of why this movie is awesome, uh, because it is like a psychedelic nightmare. The colors are so bright and dreamlike, and the whole thing is like pounding with this gorgeous synth soundtrack. And Nick Cage uh, is allowed to go as crazy as possible and it's like one of these things where like i like uh there's a new kind of thing of like movies coming out like that are almost pastiching cult like movies they kind of want to be cult movies um but i like them if they're i find this kind of like a bit dry actually i don't like movies that are like wow look how retro and crazy we are unless they are like beautifully made in a way where all these kind of trashy movies from the 80s and 90s or 70s weren't really well made so i think you can elevate it with amazing sort of filmmaking and boy this movie is gorgeous uh i think i brought a date to see this movie and they were just like i did not expect any of what happened to happen as you go down this crazy rabbit hole of insanity with nick um uh it's it's glorious he's incredible in it there's some really really 
touching and hilarious moments. Uh, the final shots has stuck with me more than um, any Nick Cage performance ever. And I think it's really beautiful and tragic. And um, basically, I think it's really important because um, what will happen, and this happens on like a prestige level with someone like Matthew McConaughey, where they're just like, there's a couple castings and slowly the type of movies they're in and the projects they're in changes to be a bit more like using his talents more properly you know, Matthew McConaughey went and won an Oscar, but with Nick Cage, this was the first and people going, oh, you can make a movie that doesn't like, that isn't like ashamed of Nick Cage going crazy. You can make movies around Nick Cage going crazy. Um, and this led to other nightmarish films like Color Out of Space. I saw one at Sundance called Prisoners of the Ghostland. Right now, uh, there's been a movie called Willy's Wonderland released, which is the exact same plot to Five Nights at Freddy's, but they've put Nicolas Cage in it which, you know, is the only improvement you can make on that, um, where he fights demon animatronics. But yeah, now I, these I the... watched that one the other day. <laughs> Fantastic. It was, it was a ride. It was a ride. Yeah, I know. People are like, this isn't a good movie. And I was like, that's like the least interesting criticism you can make about this movie. It's like, <laughs> exactly. this movie is obviously terrible, but it's like, it's, it's, it's great. I'm very excited to watch it. But yeah, um, yeah, Mandy is is astonishing. I think it's a really, really stellar piece of work and uh, just made me happy more than anything else. That was like, good, a good Nick Cage movie that uh, capitalizes on everything I like about him. Okay, so I mean, I feel like I need to watch this film because I know I remember when this film first came out mm-hmm. and it was kind of like that point where, and I think everybody agreed where it was like, right, Nicolas Cage has done enough films now where he can basically pick whatever he wants to do and it just won't matter. It People yeah. will watch it. It, it. It's not, you know. It's interesting I, because I think it's great. The history of Nick Cage is basically like the reason why he was in like direct to DVD trash for like 10 years. I think he was like in debt to the government like horrendously and just had to accept every project that was offered to him, which led into a spiraling like the projects just got worse and worse and worse. And then so this was really like, you know, on paper, it's like, yeah, this is this is nothing different from the other trash he's been doing for the last 10 years. Uh, but then it's 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 made with such an uh, intelligent, beautiful filmmaking that I was like, oh, OK, this is elevated. It you you've you've. This is now into kind of high art territory. Um, it's glorious and you should watch it. Get a few beers and just stick it on and just be in awe of it. It's wonderful. Exactly, yeah. I, f- I feel like that's it now. Nicolas Cage has definitely found his niche and that's yeah, a good absolutely. thing because- And it makes me happy. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the thing is, and it's like with Willy's Wonderland um, is that, yeah, Maybe a criticism of it is that it isn't the best film, but like Nicolas Cage is fucking amazing. It's not the point. It? Is, it's not the point, really. It's like hmm. he batters demon, uh, uh, um, like oh what they oh, animatronics, yeah, animatronics to yeah. death. Like that's the movie, and you go, this isn't a good movie. And you go, well, that's not the again, not the <laughs> point. But I think it's are absolutely right where it's like he may not be making movies as good as Mandy, but he's changed the kind of movies he's making, and I think that is the best thing where it's like okay yeah these movies may not be good but they're at least interesting mm-hmm. which is um which is much more appealing to me exactly yeah because he could literally just be doing like any other actor yeah, in hollywood like, where yeah, just you know yeah, exactly normal film after normal film but no he's picking all these weird amazing strange ones. wonderful yeah. amazing projects that just you would never even think of like Absolutely. the one that he's going to be in with pedro pascal where that he's was himself He's playing himself and Pedro Pascal is like a billionaire super fan who takes him to, who's invited a celebrity to his and party. And I'm he, like, I oh, will watch that movie so much. <laughs> and he, you're like, he's like, oh, he's an FBI agent for some reason. And yeah, it's just going to be yeah. so great. It's just, it, it's, oh. gonna, you know, the film might not be great, but it's going to be great anyway. It does not. But I'm, but I am going to watch it. That is for sure. <laughs> exactly. We're now going to move on to number two. Mm-hmm. Um, and my number two is um, one of, uh, it has to be, I think I've, I, I think this is at number two because it's my personal favorite Nicolas Cage performance. Yeah. I think number one, we'll, which we'll discuss later, does just pip the post because of my overall enjoyment of the movie. But um, but yeah, this is definitely my favorite Nicolas Cage performance, and it is where he plays the ultimate dad. Okay, 
And this film in at number two for me is Kick-Ass. Oh, oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, I think, um, you know, the time when Kick-Ass came out, it was when, like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was kind of just starting out. Superhero movies were, they were starting to become mainstream, completely mainstream in that sense. And Kick-Ass was very much a left field. It was, if you think about it, out of any, like, Ghost Rider aside, if there was any superhero film that you could imagine Nicolas Cage being a part of during that oh, yeah. that time period, Kick-Ass was the exact one that he would be in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just on the, the real surface of it, it is just such a wonderful film. You know, it really goes into the whole morality of what it means to be, uh, you know, a, a vigilante. A vigilante, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and and the thing is as well is that you know they don't have you know powers they aren't rich they might yeah. have weapons and stuff but they are just human beings and and that's Absolutely. what makes the film so incredibly interesting and the story just in general but my god nicolas cage in this He's film is brilliant. next He's so level much fun like so good and you know i will uh, you know the the one scene, which is obviously incredibly sad, and this is a spoiler. If oh, you haven't seen I know cast. exactly. What but you mean, um, yeah. <clears throat> you know the scene where he does die in the warehouse. That scene will stick with me for the rest of my life well, because of how just insanely well acted it is from Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it might be the most over the top death scene yeah, you have exactly. ever seen, but it is just so good and as he's so burning well to film. death and Literally. his daughter is killing everyone in the room and strobe which is like an adagio and d minor remix is playing and um and and uh, uh he's just screaming i think of his lines like take cover child like his the delivery <laughs> of those lines is like perfect and it it fits the tone of the movie really well which is just this idea of like just like what not what happens if this would play out in real life when the only thing about this type of people we know is from fiction is from comic books and what happens when i mean what i really like about kick-ass is uh just how utterly delusional and demented all the superheroes are like doing this would be a really really stupid idea and you'd have to be really messed up in the head to think it's good idea um so yeah oh he's brilliant in that yeah i did yeah. i did ponder that so fantastic pick Com- completely just like i said i think that was another one that i just i couldn't have forgiven myself if i didn't include it absolutely because yeah. i must say that <clears throat> i think if there's one person who does steal the show in kick-ass it's chloe grace Moretz. it has to be but, absolutely yeah you know without nicholas cage i think they're it such would a be... good pair they're yeah exactly great yeah, pair completely and it's the emotional through line for a lot of the story which is really good very much so. Completely agree. Right. Right. Okay. So what is at uh, number two for you, Rory? Um, right. This is a movie. Uh, it's the least known movie. Um, but as he was a husband in Mandy, uh, we get to see him in another dad type role. Uh, this is a movie directed by David Gordon Green, who is most well known probably for the Halloween remake. Uh, but he also did like Pineapple Express and like, you know, Your Highness and those type of like uh, Danny McBride, you know, kind of dumb comedies. Mm -hmm. But he also has kind of a lot of experience as an indie filmmaker. His debut feature is called George Washington and Undertow. And he did this wee trilogy of um, of these uh, indie films and uh joe is one of them and joe is a southern gothic as well which i think the my introduction to the southern gothic uh, genre when i saw it at a festival but um there's like a 15 year old boy played by ty sheridan from uh young cyclops and who's a Ready great Player actor. one yeah i think yeah, he's a great, great actor yeah. and this is the first thing i saw him in he is uh, like a 15 year old boy in like a small southern town and he gets a job with uh joe who is nick cage who's an ex-con who gets him a job uh, working as like, it's a really weird specific job. It's like companies want the land that forests are on, but they can't just deforest it. So they pay a bunch of guys money to go in and inject toxins into the trees. So they die themselves. And that's the job he does. But like um, this 15 year old boy is like an alcoholic uh, abusive father. And then Nick Cage is kind of stepping into this uncomfortable zone. And it's like, 
it was in the middle of the darkness that um of of just terrible performances that I saw this and I was like wow he really really is good at acting in the right role with the right director mm-hmm. and it kind of sustained my hope for like there there could be you know pre Mandy where you just go crazy with this it really kind of sustained me for that bit where I hadn't seen something as good uh, really good uh, since. Uh, to kick ass and we certainly haven't seen anything where he's like they've risked putting him into the central role is really important as well mm. so Joe kind of tied me over but I think it's a really emotional drama uh, that Nick Cage is fantastic in um, and it's definitely definitely worth watching and seeking out yeah you've definitely completely sold that to me because I, I mean yeah it does it sounds really good and I think it's very much going to be down to the the central performances um, mm-hmm. yeah is, and yeah. You get this idea that he's just this really kind of broken man who who uh, doesn't like being in this sort of father uh, figure role, but uh, he does it very well. He's been he's been kind of thrown into it, so he has yeah, to kind of absolutely yeah, try it's uncomfortable and... for him. Before we go on to our first picks, our number mm. one Nicolas Cage films, we shall uh, do our honourable mentions, which mm-hmm. um, are films that uh, are very good, that we really enjoy, but does not quite make the list. So, Rory, what is your honourable Nicolas Cage yeah. mention? I, I actually tied this over because I was really surprised at how many actually good ones there are that I was forgetting about. And, you know, well, maybe they'll uh, they'll be mentioned at some point. But, um, yeah, there's, there's uh, a lot of great ones. Uh, the one I picked was an honorable mention because it's not really about Nick Cage in a way that, like, Kick-Ass isn't necessarily about uh, Nick is, Nick, Nick's character. But he's very good in, and I picked 1987's, moonstruck which i watched for the first time like last week uh and the reason it's an honorable mention and i didn't include it in the list is because uh, while nick cage is amazing in it it's a sure it's sure's movie it's like her kind of movie and it's like this rom-com set in uh an italian uh family uh in new york and the uh, share is sort of like settling unhappily for like a marriage. She meets the estranged uh, eclectic brother of the guy she's marrying, who's like an opera obsessed, like, like he's like a baker with one hand. He's got a wooden hand, uh, but he's like the most hard ass, like ex-con baker you've seen. But also he loves the opera. I want to discuss at length at some point. I intend to like the idea of what makes a good Nick Cage performance because I just think it's enjoyability because as I was talking about, like, I think he's amazing in The Wicker Man, like, because he's so terrible. Or But but really, how is that bad if he's just doing stuff that's really fun? Because I don't think he's unintentionally being really enjoyable. I think that's all intentional. But um, uh, yeah, Moonstruck is a blast. It's so silly and sweet and ridiculous. And uh, he's wonderful in it. Uh, but obviously, uh, it is Cher's movie and she won the Oscar for it. So that's why it's my honorable mention. I think there's like a complete formula, isn't there, for a, for a good Nicolas Cage film? And, you know, I feel like in that, very much inside that formula is good film does not equal good Nicolas Cage film. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. And, I'm, and, and he has been in a lot of very good movies, but what's more interesting to me is, is and that's why the actual worst ones are the ones where he's not good in it and he's just phoning it in and he isn't allowed to be crazy. Where, like, I mean, we've talked about, like, him, like uh, there's uh, one that came out recently in the sort of renaissance of Nick Cage, um, Color Out of Space, which I don't particularly think is a fantastic movie, but it is uh, a very good Nick Cage movie for how weird he is, but also like, it's not like he's weird despite the movie. It's not like he's accidentally weird when the movie's meant to be serious. It's a very, very weird movie that is using a lot of strange horror and science fiction and he's perfectly at home in it. So that is a great Nick Cage movie. My honorable mention, it's been, it has been mentioned very, very, very uh, slightly. And it is Spider-Man Into the spider Yes. Yes, I, oh. I couldn't not. I, I no, couldn't please. not mention it because you know it is again. I feel like very similar uh, reasoning for your honourable mention is that Nicolas Cage is definitely not in any way, exactly. shape, or form the exactly. centre of Spider Verse, but he is an incredible addition. 
to the yeah. film. Oh, I he's think glorious. it works so perfectly. And I feel like <clears throat> this all really comes off the fact that, you know, he's so very nearly played Superman. That he's mm. kind of had a longing, hasn't he, to just be in any kind of superhero film that he possibly he can. He played Superman. We're talking about his voice acting. He played Superman, I think, in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. He was Superman. And it was like, good. But he did. A, a, an old prophecy has been fulfilled and we can now rest <laughs> easy that we're at peace. Um, yeah. Oh, he's so good into the Spider-Verse. He's like, the line, like, I like to I like to, I like to, burn matches in my fingers just to feel it burn or whatever he yeah. says. Mm-hmm. So I like to drink egg cream and punch Nazis. Brilliant. It's just, it's just perfect. I mean, uh, Spider-Verse has been... Um, mentioned on one of the other rank lists yes. um in in my list as one of my films um already so i won't uh, go completely into just yes. why i love spider-verse because you know there's just so many reasons we, we'd be here for days um but i mean if if it just has to come down to nicholas cage and his performance it's just absolutely amazing and i think it you know uh chris miller and phil lord really sat down and decided like you know these are the spider people we are going to choose um mm-hmm. and we're doing it you know it's they they were them particularly were curated for this film and it just works so well they mesh together so amazingly even though all of them are completely different in their mm-hmm. own way and you know spider-man noir is no different to that you know he is pretty much the polar opposite of all of them you know, mm-hmm. from a completely mm-hmm. different time, a completely different space, a completely different outlook and idea of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody else could have played Spider-Man Noir, no. thinking about and it. And I think I think the best thing about uh, his sort of role in there is, is how he fits into the ensemble, because suddenly mm-hmm. Nick Cage is great in that, but he's so much better in that because there is John Mulaney as a pig right beside him. And these are treated as equally serious within the world of Spider-Verse. And that cast of this, like characters all coming together and fighting together is a really, is so winning. And he's a great part of that. Yeah. And I love his line. Um, uh, like, oh, this is, a, uh, this is your origin story. It's super deep kind of thing. Yeah. So it's uh, so dark. Yeah. So dark. Uh, yeah. Love that. Awesome. And, uh, and obviously his whole thing with the Rubik's cube as well. I don't understand oh, it, yeah. but I'm going to take it anyway. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't have gone through a podcast with Nicolas Cage without mentioning his performance. Wonderful. So good. Time has come. It is time for our number one Nicholas Cage picks. And I'm gonna start because I'm gonna get out Please. get it out of the way because I feel like people are gonna be listening to this and going, Why? Why have you put that as number one? What the hell are you talking about? I'm very excited. Uh my number one Nicholas Cage film, and I will completely explain why. I will try and defend myself completely I'm on so it. So excited. Um, it's National Treasure. Oh, great. Great film. Yeah. I I absolutely adore National Treasure. I um you know the kind of there's like a, a nice collection of films when you're a child that you watch over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, National Treasure yeah. was one of those films for me. I mm-hmm. could literally watch it all day, every day. And yeah. I, I just think that like Overall, it's just such a wonderful, interesting story. I um, I believe that um, it's just the the adventurous side of mm-hmm. it is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And Nicolas Cage embodies that kind of wondrous, you know, wanting yeah. to go on that adventure and be that person. And yeah find out all these mysteries and you know find the treasure in the end and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff and no it works really well yeah exactly it's great to kind of look up at nicholas it's 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 almost like it's a more literary version of like um indiana jones like it's not as dependent on like action as it is about thinking and and lots of books and research and all that kind of stuff exactly Um, it's a good it's a good fun film i like it and the line and the delivery of i'm going to steal the declaration of independence is potentially my favorite in the history of cinema it is it's just it's, so 
it's played it's played so straight it's just like just this is what we're going to do and it's ridiculous and he pays it off brilliantly nobody else could have delivered that line the way that Nicolas no. Cage delivered it I know you're right and it is like, like and it is possibly one of his most infamous lines yeah. ever yeah. that he's ever spoken in a film but yeah I just yeah absolutely love it think it's just so great and so wonderful and to be honest I don't hate the second one either no to be no 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 I, I, I agree um he has some good moments in that as well um, but yeah, the second one is I mean, the thing with a lot of Disney movies is like they won't necessarily be outright bad. You know, the, the worst ones are just sort of like passable and it's sort of samey, um, which is, uh, you know, not good for me wanting a bad Nick Cage film where he goes crazy and off the roads. But yeah, this the second one's all right. But then I'm, I am completely and utterly ready for people to come at me being like, National Treasure, <laughs> your favorite Nicolas Cage film? No way. But yeah, that is for me there, there my number one. Uproar. Alex, oh, it's gonna be chaos. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready. Oh, <laughs> good, right. You're prepared. What is your number one Nicolas Cage film? As one of the world's biggest Nick Cage fans, um, I this is the best one. This is the best thing he's done. Uh, what's better than one Nick Cage, two Nick Cages? Uh, Spike <laughs> Jones's adaptation is a powerhouse of a film. Nick Cage plays celebrated writer director charlie kaufman who at the time had just written being john malkovich as he adapts a book called the orchid thief for hollywood and wrangles with the writing process and uh, uh the, the difficulties of adaptation and the idea of self in writing and structure and he also has a brother called donald kaufman who's like a hack screenwriter who he sort of detests and um as a screenwriter myself, I love the the more I think about this film, the more I love it. Like I read Robert McKee's story, which is the tome for screenwriters, and Robert McKee is in this film played by Brian Cox. It's a shouty loud. This is how you do structure. This is how you do that. And <laughs> um, and it work it works brilliantly. And um, I mean the cast of like I think Chris Cooper won an Oscar for this, which is crazy. Um, but uh, he plays this sort of like swamp dwelling orchid thief. Um, and Meryl Streep is the author who's kind of like falls for him and becomes you know obsessed with him. Uh, but it's just this great, I mean, Spike Jones is just an amazing director, but it's uh, an early Charlie Kaufman and it's the most meta Charlie Kaufman. It's one of the only meta movies that doesn't really annoy me. I usually find meta stuff really annoying. Uh, but Nick Cage gets to do the neurotic, but he also gets to do the completely like, um, uh, like dumb uh, with the brother character. And uh I really, really uh, enjoy him in it. I think it's the best thing he'll do uh, in his career. And uh, it's a great amalgamation of lots of brilliant creative people to make it a absolutely stellar ride. And as we've seen him in my three and two, we've seen him as a husband, we've seen him as a father, and now we get to see him as a brother. And that's a really good bond, that comes relationship that comes out really clearly in the movie. Very much. I mean, right. So I only very recently um, started watching uh, anything by Charlie Kaufman or yeah. Spike Jonze. Um, I I, uh, I watched I'm Thinking of Ending Things, but before... Oh boy. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other kettle of fish anyway. Um, I thought, you know what? Before I watched that, being John Malkovich is on Netflix. Let's yeah. watch it because I've never seen it before. I've heard very good things about it. And well, lo and behold, it's a great film. I mean, it's yeah. completely batshit crazy, but it is very, very, very good. I really yeah. enjoy it. Um, so since then, since I watched that movie, Adaptation, which is also on Netflix, has been on my list to watch. Oh, But I have just it. been too busy to be able to. And I really, really do want to watch it because, again, like I've heard yeah. such good things about it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it again. It's so much fun. But um yeah, I mean with Charlie Kaufman, just Charlie Kaufman gets less accessible as his career goes on. So you have to start with being John Malkovich. Um uh although I would say adaptation is maybe his most accessible because it's just the most but like the more you know about the meta references, the more complicated it gets. But then you get to something like I'm thinking of ending things and it's like a different movie is happening within this movie. <laughs> um like and you're like, oh shit. Oh uh, but yeah, adaptation is is totally totally worth your time you should let, let me know your thoughts on it once you see it yeah i will i'll try and bump it up the list because it's it's so long right now so i'm just gonna have to have to mm -hmm. maybe skip a few and and cheat on that one 
Okie dokie. Well, thank you very much, Rory, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Of course. Um, before we leave, um, if there is anything that you would uh, like to promote or where else we can find you, then do uh, the floor is yours. So Perfect. Plug section. Um, so, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm, uh, you know, posting. <laughs> I am uh, sharing film opinions. Uh, you'll see my writing up there, my criticism. You can get me at Rory has opinions. Uh, no spaces. Uh, R-O-R-Y. They spell Rory. There's a lot of naysayers saying you spell it differently. They're wrong. <laughs> uh, I also have a podcast uh, called The Stories That Make Us, where me and my wonderful co-host, Abby, interview a creative, uh, be it a writer. Um, uh, we've had singers on. We've had critics on. Uh, uh, and uh, they explain how three pieces of fiction has affected their work. So it's a really nice, cozy way of learning about inspiration and how fiction has molded us. Uh, if you're interested in coming on the podcast or listening to us, we're on Anchor uh, at the Storycast uh, slash sto the Stories Cast, and that's our Twitter bio as that's our Twitter handle as well at the Stories Cast. Uh, come check us out. Uh, this is a very sort of like punk rock way that podcasts work, where you sort of guess on each other and you and you sort of promote each other's. But uh, we got to get you on at some point, Alex. Yeah, get me in the queue. I'm very intrigued <laughs> to to be on. Well, thank you very much to Rory for joining me on this week's episode of The Ranklist. We will be back next week with a new guest and a new theme, as always. You, of course, can catch Rory on his Twitter at RoryHasOpinions and on his podcast, The Stories That Make Us, which I will soon be a guest on. It's going to be great. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to that. And I have to make one final announcement as well here today before we go, and that is that I am going to be hosting a new podcast with uh, my wonderful co-host Billy uh, and we're going to be releasing our first episode on the 2nd of April so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that because it's going to be absolutely incredible I'm really really excited for it and as always you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter by searching presenter Alex and you can find all the information you need to find out about me at those places and if you could I would incredibly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple podcast it really helps out the podcast and opens it up to a whole new audience so thank you very much for listening as always and I will see you next week